Now we gotta be all upbeat and excited about 17 million deaths. <laughs> Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. We're broadcasting live from the trenches of World War One. Um, it's a party out here. We just saw an excellent film. It's called uh, Party on the Western Front. It's about these uh, German boys who just want to do right by their country, and they go out to the Western Front of the war, and uh, they restore a sense of optimism. Everybody just has a great time in this movie. All Quiet on the Western Front, that's the name of the actual Netflix release that we watched. It's a film about World War I from the German perspective. Yeah, I would like to see movies, war movies, that are not from the American perspective. And to see it from the German perspective, on top of that, was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, you never get that for World War II movies. That's like a taboo. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of... <laughs> that's maybe a little far. <laughs> but I mean, are there any... There's probably a bunch of movies from like the Vietnamese perspective on the Vietnam so? War. Do you think made by... Made in Hollywood? I mean... From the Vietnamese perspective? Maybe not made in Hollywood. <laughs> Like a Vietnamese film student? Vollywood. Vollywood? It's Vietnamese Hollywood. India has Bollywood mm -hmm. and it doesn't start with a B. So what would Vietnamese Hollywood be? I don't know. Stollywood? I'm what? just... Okay, <laughs> we're, we're down the rabbit hole. <laughs> this film is... It, I think it does one thing really well. Mm. And then it gives you a really great sense of the machine of war. Hmm... The whole time we're watching the characters persevere throughout, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we are watching them basically get ground through a machine. Let's compare it to a couple of other World War One-esque films. Mm -hmm. um, 1917, mm -hmm. that movie that was all in one shot about a single British soldier's trip through the trenches as he goes to like try to finish a mission. It's very romanticized almost. Because you get these long panning shots over the battlefield and the colors are a little bit more vivid. And yeah, things are tough, but there's almost like a little bit of romanticism. Yeah. Of like, hold me while I die. Here's a picture of my <laughs> wife. All this stuff. I think, yeah, I think I I was definitely comparing this movie to 1917 while we were watching it. Because I really enjoyed 1917. But it definitely had a bit more of like a action. I mean, it was... It was not glorifying war at all, but it definitely no. had a bit more like one man army, kind of like man on a mission kind of situation. Whereas this movie really felt like this, the, like Paul, the main character is just, just one tiny part of it, right? Like Yeah, you were in the trenches mm -hmm. in this movie. In mm -hmm. 1917, you spent most of your time outside the trenches. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting watching this movie and seeing people who are equipped and dressed like gentlemen not act like gentlemen <laughs> at all. Well, I, yeah, I mean, back then, when, like those boys signing up for the war, like they thought, they thought that was the gentlemanly thing to do, I guess, right? So you get like you. Yeah, you were a coward if you yeah, didn't. Yeah, and you've you're protecting your honor, and you're like fighting for your nation, and yeah, and so then you have to dress the part <laughs> in your uniform. You right? Yeah. And I think you know, one of the big things about World War One, the way the tactics worked, is that they use the same strategies they used when they had muskets. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like they completely forgot about what bullets do to people. <laughs> they were literally like 
for those of you who don't know, World War I, most of the Western Front was just a couple of fixed positions and trenches where these guys would shoot bombs and bullets at each other all the live long day, and they managed to gain like a few inches of ground on either side. Mm -hmm. 17 million people died in that war. And it did not do any good for anybody. No, no. No. No, all it did was make an angry Germany. <laughs> yeah, very I much mean, so, yeah. right? You're kind of watching this movie going, which one of these guys <laughs> becomes a Nazi? Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. The main characters. Mm -hmm. One of them looks like Andrew Garfield. Mm -hmm. One of them has glasses. Yeah. There's like a... Another one who's kind of nondescript. That was one of the problems with the movie is that so many of the characters looked so alike. Yeah, I do. We watched it with the British English dub instead of the original German. And I wonder if their voices would sound different when from the actual actors, you know? Like, I do wonder if the British English dub made it harder. To sympathize with the characters? Well, I mean, it didn't... I feel like the dub was pretty good, but... It was you you could still tell it was a dub and i do wonder if maybe like not hearing the actors i don't know maybe this is just a crazy thought but like not hearing the actual actors german voices made it harder to differentiate them yeah maybe that's part of it i don't know part maybe of it crazy. is also that like they're all aryans yeah <laughs> only the the andrew garfield guy yeah. or andrew garfield looking guy yeah was kind of distinguished yeah but then in those scenes where it's supposed to be dramatic because we're watching one of the friends die mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they're rolling around in the mud. It's just this gray uniform that gets completely mm -hmm. gray stained. I was, I had no idea You're who like, that was. Which one is this? No <laughs> there idea. There were two guys with mustaches <laughs> and they looked they the same. They were interchangeable. Exactly <laughs> the same. I, I thought it was the same person for maybe the longest that was, time. Maybe that was an artistic choice to demonstrate. Uh... All soldiers are the same. Wow. <laughs> you know, it kind of made me think about that the soldiers on the front lines they have a little grasp over the politics that led to their situation mm -hmm. like if you were a US marine mm -hmm. going into insert Middle Eastern country here after 9-11 you kind of knew what you were doing Yeah, you more or less had an idea of what you were going for Yeah, Vietnam maybe like at first it was hey we're going to go fight the communists yeah it was like an ideological crusade in a way at the beginning yeah yeah world war ii it was very obvious yeah that's one of the movies that or sorry not the movies that's one of the wars that everybody can mm -hmm. clearly paint there's good guys and there's bad guys mm -hmm. but world war one yeah the thing about the people in the trenches across from you in world war one mm -hmm. is that they're exactly yeah. like you they're in the exact same situation they're doing exactly what you're doing so if you're a bad person, they're a bad person. That's justifiable to get in that war. But they're also just people. Again, from their perspective, we're signing up to save the fatherland. Right? I mean, from the history classes that we were in, mm -hmm. what it was kind of sounded like was that the British Empire pretty much ruled the whole world. <laughs> they Big had, chunk of it, yeah. What was the saying is like, they're, the sun never sets on the British Empire? Is that exactly, what you're... Exactly, yeah. yeah. The sun never sets in the British Empire. Yeah. And that the Germans would say to themselves, it's our turn in the sun now. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. 
we want a slice of that. So they're almost doing exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then one side just starts losing really badly. Mm -hmm. Well, at first, throughout the war, um, the Germans are winning. They have a lot of technology and mm -hmm. advancement on their side. They have a little bit more bravado because mm -hmm. they're on the offensive. Mm -hmm. and, and really uh, effective military training, too. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot going for them. Yeah, one of the things that people talk about is that their uniforms were gray. Mm -hmm. The French uniforms are bright blue. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning, yeah. Right. And then the other thing was like the French cavalry charge, mm -hmm. horses mm -hmm. and guys with swords. Mm -hmm. And then the German machine gun pretty much takes them all down. Yeah. Yeah, Same that doesn't, thing. doesn't work. Same thing with like who used chlorine gas first, mm -hmm. who used automatic fire, who used tanks yeah. and flamethrowers. Yeah. It was all Germans. But by the end of the war, all that stuff was pretty much being turned on them with the addition of the Americans who hmm. basically changed the tide of the war mm -hmm. because the U.S. decides to go and help Britain and France yeah. win the war. Yeah. And the Americans are different from the Europeans in the sense that they fought civil wars. They fought um, they fought a big civil war mm -hmm. with muskets, but mm -hmm. the muskets at the time were more accurate and more deadly, so they had to learn how to adapt. And then the repeating weapons came, and they ended up fi fighting the Indians mm -hmm. um, and the natives of their land. So by the time they show up, they're a little bit more used to combat with modern weaponry yeah and they're also yeah because they had the experience from the american civil war but then and then they also were like they hadn't seen you know years in the trenches like the other yeah everyone else had they they were fresh-faced you know there was a lot less despair yeah it was like yeah. hey the eagles were here we're gonna yeah. win yeah yeah because you get the french army and they're mutinying mutinying Mutineering. <laughs> Something like that. Doing mutinies. And, uh, yeah, the British are wondering what the heck they're still doing there. I mean, the Germans, they the, they had just gotten, you know, Russia's gone. So then everyone from the east is coming over to the west and they're looking not too shabby. Yeah. When they're facing the Prussians and the Germans and the yeah. Austrians. Yeah. And Russia at one point, because, of course, the Tsar gets killed mm. and they have their own Bolshevik revolution. <laughs> and... They pretty much just go, I have my own problems to deal with. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And then they go deal with those problems, yeah. kind of. Yeah, which leaves France and the, and Britain on the other side of Germany being like, great, now we got to deal with this war machine all on our own. Kyle, who has been on the podcast before, would probably get mad at me if I didn't mention the tidbit of history where the Americans were the first people to bring shotguns into the trenches. Mm -hmm. When you think about a shotgun in a trench, mm -hmm. it sounds like a very, very deadly weapon. <laughs> it was funny to think that the Germans were flamethrowers and chlorine gas, and then they started complaining about the yeah. shotguns in the trenches. Yeah. yeah. It's like, is it less honorable than just shooting a guy with a rifle? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, I've just been listening to Dan Carlin's King of Kings mm -hmm. again, and he's talking about hoplites. Like yeah. ancient Greek hoplite yes. armies. Yes. And the way the hand -to -hand that... hand-to-hand combat. And... Yeah. Yeah. And they were like... The hoplites were just dudes. Mm -hmm. Just people who mm -hmm. lived in the town. And in the same way that you might si sign up for the local soccer team, you yeah. had like... You brought your own jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you brought your own armor and shield and spear. Yeah. 
then you assembled up with everybody else yeah and you practiced maybe once a few months mm-hmm. and then you did a battle every once in a while but the gore of their war of the hoplites was sticking people with pointy mm-hmm. things yeah right? yeah you can't stand back from your enemy a few meters you know you have to get right next to them up in their grill even with muskets yeah you're like <laughs> 40 yards from the yeah. people yeah and then the commander just goes take a knee and then you're yeah. gonna like try to <laughs> try to shoot at the other yeah, people i'll give it a go i guess but when it came to the bayonets the story oh. i've heard is that they were reluctant to mm-hmm. actually bayonet each other because mm-hmm. there's one thing about the detachment of just pulling a trigger over here and then mm-hmm. something else over there happens mm-hmm there's, it's a lot different to jab somebody with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a lot of that in here. I felt like this movie did an excellent job at portraying like the brutality of the trench combat. Like, yeah, it was, it was almost horrifying to watch sometimes. Yeah, it was yeah. quite violent. Yeah. They did a great job with the blood and the mud. And the one thing that I find kind of interesting is that suddenly the kid Paul... Mm-hmm. Despite crying mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, is suddenly like a commando yeah. by the end. Cold blooded killer. Yeah. Well, are you commenting on his willingness to uh, kill someone or the fact that he is doing it so well? It, is it by the end of the movie he's just lost so much of his soul that he's like ready to go fight? Because that's kind yeah. of what you see in his face by the end of it. Yeah, he's like dead behind he's the like eyes. Determined yeah. to go after yeah. them. I was like, that's the Waffen SS right there. <laughs> it's interesting to think about, like, you know, the French came after this. They just, like, signed this armistice, which means that yeah. you practically lose your country. Yeah. You lose all the resources, yeah. all the ground you won. We will give you no money. Mm-hmm. We will take money from you. Yeah. We will deny you food. We will occupy your country. And we will restrict your army to, like, 12 people. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain... Germany only finished paying off the war reparations from the First World War, maybe in like 2010. What? Something like it that. It took almost a century <laughs> yeah. for them to do. Why were they still paying it off? Because <laughs> of their honor. I mean, by <laughs> well, beginning of World War II, I imagine they just went, no, yeah. we're not doing that. It'd be kind of be funny if in the <laughs> middle of the war, they were still writing checks to the French. <laughs> in like theory, on paper. The French are in a very good position to make those demands because they do have all the, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans rolling up every yeah. every week. It's like a really bad situation, and then they're forced practically yeah. deciding the worst deal. I remember you and I were in senior year history class together, mm-hmm. and I remember learning about all that and just being like, well, yeah. that was really unjust. Yeah. And it's kind of really easy to see how they can become disgruntled. Yeah, I mean, you can also, I feel like you can also, I can also see why the the French and the Allies would be so harsh as well. Yeah, very cool about it. They're like, you killed how many millions of our people? No, we're not giving you anything. Yeah. But it's like that same, I'm determined to end you, (laughs) that continues to drive the war. It happens a lot in these World War I movies, especially, Mm -hmm. where we have this moment usually of like humanity between two opposing soldiers yeah. there's famously that story of uh, christmas mm-hmm. the christmas truce the christmas yeah. truce where they like got out and played soccer in no man's land yeah exchanged gifts yeah and then i love that i listened to jocko willink in a lo-fi remix tell the story <laughs> and he's like 
our commander has commanded us to fire our automatic pistol tomorrow morning. Please duck. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like that humanity. Yeah. But then by the end of the war, all that humanity is gone. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. I don't think we saw anybody get taken prisoner in that whole movie. No. Despite the fact that there were actually like surrenders. There were a few surrenders. Yeah. I feel like that must have been a pretty common thing. In the heat of the moment, why would you? Yeah. Especially if that guy had just killed your friend. Yeah. You just saw him do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's over for you. It was kind of interesting to see so many people get shot or stabbed in the back. Because that's one of the things that is supposed to be the most ungentlemanly. You don't shoot someone when they're unarmed. Mm. You don't shoot someone when they're not facing yes. you. You know, these are the cowboy rules. Yeah. Um, you don't shoot someone yeah. with a shotgun in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, when you're, when you're, you know, lying on, sitting on your butt in the mud, leaning up against a dead horse, you, you don't really, you're not thinking about that, right? No. You're yeah. like, all the gentlemanliness is yeah. gone. Yeah. Even the people who are like, it's funny to see the trenches and mm-hmm. the mud, and that's juxtaposed with like two things that I think are very interesting in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Majority of the film is the war, and like on the battlefield yeah. in the war, Western Front, crawling over the trenches, shooting each other. There was like, I think it did one of the best battlefield pans in one of the opening shots of the movie where it showed all mm. those bodies. Yeah. That's probably one of the best representations I've seen. The, the, the shot at the beginning with all the, the corpses. Yeah. And the, yeah. yeah. I've seen like yeah. a lot of versions of that, yeah. but that one was probably the most effective. Yeah. And just watching, it's juxtaposed with, compared with these guys with mustaches and yeah. polished suits <laughs> who are like sitting in a train having tea, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eating brie. Oh, and I, yeah, and I feel, I feel like, the movie intentionally focused on food quite a bit because it would show how hungry the soldiers were and any time they had the opportunity to have even a morsel of food, they would just be like shoving it down their gullet, right? But then like, yeah, then it cuts over to the mustachioed officers. Like and sipping you know, tea. Sip, yeah, sipping tea, drinking wine. There's even that bit, you know, when they're comforting their friends and he's like, do you have cutlery? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's such an important thing to share a meal with people. It's like yeah. the highs of the film. Yeah. Revolve around that. Even one of the major plot lines, no spoilers, is revolves around stealing from a farmer. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that's juxtaposed with that I think is fascinating, there's a lot of shots of trees. Yes. Really beautiful shots of yes. trees. And I think the point of that, this is a wild guess, to show us the nature of nature. It's very peaceful, very calm. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of majestic. Whereas the nature of man is all violence hmm. right i don't know did you get that yeah no i definitely thought that those shots of the trees and the mountains were uh no spoilers it's not a spoiler that uh the war ends <laughs> but when no. it does uh, there's a character that we like is in the forest and he's almost like reflecting at how quiet it is yeah and he's looking around at the trees and there's no gunshots there's no artillery in the distance there's even that one line where it goes i think i've gone deaf yeah and i think that must i think i think you're right i think like those shots of interspersed throughout the movie are, are yeah they're they're um displaying just how peaceful it is without us yeah yeah one of the things i think is very interesting like just a fact about world war one mm-hmm. there were more suicides outside the trenches than in them outside the trenches like soldiers committing suicide they do it at base camp oh. they do it like away from the trenches huh maybe that's because they didn't want to go back but some yeah. people kind of hypothesize and say that camaraderie kept you going. Oh, uh, then when you're then when you're separated from that, 
You're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Weird tangent. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Blackadder? <laughs> a, a bit of it, yeah. Rowan yeah, yeah. Atkinson does this show called Blackadder, mm-hmm. where each of the seasons he plays a Lord Blackadder mm-hmm. from a different period in history. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, the final one, yeah. takes place in the First World War. That's right. And he's kind of playing this commander who's like middle management. Yeah. And it's kind of making light of the situation. You have yeah. these soldiers who are joking about, oh, they brought us a Charlie Chaplin film to watch, or... Hey, I managed to cook soup out of one of these pigeons we just shot. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating to, especially one of like the points that I, it was a joke I mentioned while we were watching mm-hmm. that I actually heard from Blackadder was that it didn't work the last 16 times. Yeah. I feel good about this one. Yeah. <laughs> because basically what we're going, what was going on yeah. in the First World War is you were lining up in the trenches. Yeah. Every once in a while, they'd shoot a bunch of artillery and try to kill as many of the enemy with bombs mm-hmm. as possible. And then somebody with a walking stick and a whistle yeah. would blow the whistle and yeah. tell you to go over the top. Yeah. Then you just jump out into no man's land where there's very little, if no cover. And yeah. you're practically just right into the yeah. meat grinder. Yeah. You just take turns walking at each other's machine guns. They didn't even like have a maneuver or something. <laughs> they didn't like, nobody ever thought of flanking or enclosing, or maybe they just got stuck. I feel like, Flanking in World War One means attacking a weaker section of the enemy's trenches, to, so that you can overtake the stronger section. Yeah, because like, that still is that still means charging across no man's land. Like, what do you do if you're with all the generals and you're looking at the map and you're just like, what if we go left? <laughs> they won't see that coming. They're looking. They're looking forward. <laughs> they're looking forward. But then I guess their thoughts is, if we go left, we'll leave ourselves unguarded. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about this war, World War One, mm-hmm. in contrast to now modern wars. Yeah. Um, there's one war that's going on right now that's mm-hmm. like on everybody's mind. Myanmar. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> the Ukraine. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I have no uh, opinions about the Ukraine. Mm. I just think it's really interesting to see mm-hmm. the difference between the way modern, modern warfare yeah. is fought yeah. besides old warfare with modern weapons. Yeah. Because now it's like robots and drone strikes. Um, a lot of the Russian tactic has been keep our guys back and let's just shoot missiles until mm-hmm. they give up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're digging in for the long haul, taking mm-hmm. out the power infrastructure and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you think about somewhere like, for instance, Afghanistan, where the idea is we'll let you take the city, but we're going to stay in it yeah. with a bunch of insurgencies yeah. and yeah. make your life hell. That's And that's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, you even look at, like, the difference between World War One and World War Two, and you get, like, like World War One was just so incredibly stationary in terms of front lines. And then world, even even World War Two, like, for sure there was foxholes and trenches and digging in and, like... Yeah, well, there was a lot more mobility. But, like, not like World War One, and that's just, that's just, yeah. We're waiting here to die. Yeah. 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 World War Two is, get in the Jeep, we're gonna go get the Nazis. <laughs> You know, they were a lot more mobile. Yeah. Um, did you ever, you, you played Battlefield 1. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that a lot, actually, while we were watching. That game was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was a first-person shooter with, I guess, it used to be modern graphics. Mm. It still it, looks pretty good. The Battlefield, um, you know, franchise mm-hmm. did a World War One game. But I thought what was really funny is that that game was way more mobile. Yeah. There was, like, two... Yeah. 
campaign things in the trenches themselves yeah. and everything else was yeah. people running around with automatics yeah well <laughs> i mean it was basically a world war ii game with a world war one theme like painted yeah. over top which is not a bad thing it was a fun game it was i think you have to do that to be yeah. kind of fun it's hard to yeah. be fun when if you made a realistic world war one game and, and there's people who have tried but even those are like i mean there's people yeah. who've made realistic u.s civil war games I mean, I think it's it's interesting because we're like talking about these games being fun after watching. That's another thing I think about, <laughs> right? Is that there's that is the so Front, much yeah. modern bravado, yeah, about war, yeah. That like I I the one thing I like about those movies is that they show war is hell. Oh man, hell yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that we're getting that we got so many movies like this and. 1917 and because it's all zero dark 30 we're gonna get osama <laughs> my dad's been binging swat oh yeah recently and if you watch that show you're like cool weapons and tactics and yeah they're breaking down yeah. doors like we got the bad yeah. guy you know yeah. even if you watch like <sighs> american sniper mm-hmm. you like that movie i feel like these movies they yeah. try yeah. very hard to be like we're showing you the broken down side of these soldiers where they return what their lives turn into the kind of horrors that they see when they're out there mm-hmm. but then you also you're like stack up against the door <laughs> hold your m4 and you're like ready to go yeah. we got this yeah. we're gonna take out the taliban yeah, or whatever God bless america where do you think how how would you like rank this film in Here's terms of other war movies the big downside to this film mm-hmm. that was pissing us off the whole time <laughs> And I don't know if it was something they were trying to do artistically or if they legitimately, like, there was, like, a streaming yeah. error. Yeah, it was hard to tell. But there was, like, this grain. Yeah. Like, the camera was not adjusted to the light or something. Yeah, it was it was distracting. Quite. There was some moments in it where I thought they did this interesting thing where the color would shift. Mm. Like, things would be very saturated mm-hmm. and somewhat gray. Mm-hmm. And then a moment of humanity amongst the characters would kind mm-hmm. of show up and we'd see more color mm-hmm. and then it would fade right back down again mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting it like it shows up when they're sharing food yeah um when they're like handing each other a picture or something yeah so like i said it's all characterized by those moments like even in battlefield one there's like this moment in the trailer right mm-hmm. where you have one of the harlem hell fighters mm-hmm. who's like aiming his gun at a german and the alarm has just sounded to say that that's it retreat yeah and they both just kind of like they're both really tired and they just lower their yeah. guns yeah like we're done yeah there's even that uh there's a story about a sniper in the first world war who drew a bead on hitler mm-hmm. and chose mm-hmm. not to shoot him mm-hmm. and they actually met later on <laughs> and hitler gave him a little gift wow for his gentlemanliness Hmm. That was before they found out <laughs> about Poland and all that stuff. Oh, man. What are you... Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I find actually really interesting, and this is like a little, again, a little tangent, Second World War, Finland. Yeah. The Finnish Nazis were interesting. Hmm. Like, I'm not talking to guys who came from Berlin up there. I'm talking about the Finnish people who put on the SS uniform. Hmm. Because their main enemy wasn't, like, Poland, and it wasn't the Americans or anything like that, or the French. Mm-hmm. It was Stalin, 
So they were pretty much just trying to fight back the communists. One other story that uh, Kyle told me mm-hmm. was that apparently there was a couple of uh, African gentlemen mm-hmm. living in Finland, mm-hmm. and they joined the fight and put on SS uniforms, <laughs> and for their performances received medals from from the Nazis. Oh, wow! And the Nazis <laughs> found out about it afterwards and oh. like, hey, maybe give those back. We didn't realize what who those men were, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, too late. <laughs> yeah, sorry, pal. Yeah. Sorry, Adolf. Even one of the famous stories about a Finnish sniper named White Death, Mm. Simo Haiha or something, Mm. who had like a total of 700 kills. Yeah. And Nazi. Also a Nazi. That's kind of like a bit they don't mention when they tell the story. Well, did you know that the most, the sniper with the most confirmed kills in the First World War was Canadian? Right. Yeah. uh, First Nations. I think currently... The mm-hmm. world's greatest sniper is also Canadian. Yeah, I think like the top three. <laughs> I think there was actually a podcast with him recently. I think John Bernthal did it. Oh, yeah. Where he's interviewing this Canadian sniper. He, he's who... the sniper, John Bernthal. He, <laughs> he fired the rifle. Wow. It's Brad Pitt playing Chris Kyle. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but that Canadian sniper, he's he went over to the Ukraine to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there was the air battles. Those are a lot more romanticized. Right. The, you know, British pilots and American pilots versus the yeah. German pilots. Yeah. Well, um, I learned something interesting pretty recently that the Spitfire, like the main fighter fighter plane of the British Air Force in World War II, only had like 12, 12 seconds of uh, machine gun am- ammo. Right. So you could only fire for 12 seconds sustained, and then you were out, you're out of bullets for your machine guns. There was this gentlemanly rule they had where if the other pilot runs out of ammo, you let him go home. <laughs> and that was, like, strangely well upheld. That even, like, when they're fighting the Zeros in right. World War II. Yeah. And there's a story about, like, the Japanese pilot running out of ammo. So mm-hmm. the American pilot lets it go, and he just flies right over the trenches and waves at the Americans. And he goes, like... <laughs> See ya. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment in this in this film, um, all quiet on the Western all Front. All quiet on the Western Front, where uh, there were they were um, retreating, and there were planes flying overhead several times, multiple planes, biplanes, and I thought that was interesting because planes were pretty new technology in uh, the First World War. Yeah, they were a kite. It was literally yeah. a kite with yeah. a propeller. And I don't know what those in the in the movie. I think they I think they just put them there for uh I hardly noticed them. Like I think they were just there cuz they look cool They're because temporarily atmospheric. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I mean planes flying overhead it makes you feel like you're in a war zone, I guess. Yeah. But like the best a pilot could do they were like reconnaissance, right? That's what they would do in the First World War. Yeah. They didn't have guns. A pilot could, like, shoot his pistol at another plane. Literally, that's they could, what they did. Yeah, and they could drop a bomb, like, with their hand out the side of the plane. Yeah. So there, I don't know why those planes were in that scene. That kind of bothered me, but, I mean, I mean it's such a minor thing. A little bit of World War One trivia. I don't remember all three of the pilots who were mm-hmm. supposedly the most kills in the air. Mm-hmm. But number two, or number three, was Billy Bishop. Mm. A Canadian pilot. Mm-hmm. Number one was a German. Yeah. Uh, Red Baron. The Red Baron. Manfred yeah. von Richthofen. Yeah. Snoopy's greatest enemy. Yeah. 
That is true, actually. Snoopy and Woodstock flying <laughs> that doghouse. <laughs> wow. You know what's funny? Have you ever seen the movie The Great Dictator? Mm, it's a, Charlie, a long time ago. Charlie Chaplin yeah, long, movie. I've seen it a long time ago. It starts in World War One mm-hmm. because it tells the story of this Jewish soldier in the trenches mm-hmm. um, who you know, later becomes persecuted by the same country he fought for. But it's funny, though, scenes in World War One that open up, they're still a comedy. Yeah. Because, like, they open up on Charlie <laughs> Chaplin with a rifle, and then he, like, takes a shot over mm-hmm. the trench, and then takes a piece of chalk and yeah. writes a little <laughs> yeah. number. And that's really interesting, because can you imagine making a comedy out of a world war today, and that movie came out so soon after, right? Like, right? Like, right after. Like... There was always that yeah, it's very implication that, like, Charlie had the same mustache mm-hmm. as Hitler. Mm-hmm. And they would kind of argue about it. Yeah. Hitler's was a little bit more square. Who wore it better, do you think? <laughs> um, Chaplin. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of have to say that, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I would say because I think the Hitler stash is just a little too small. Mm-hmm. It's like you got carried away chiseling <laughs> it. He shaved a little too much on the right side and had to even it out on the left. Well, the story behind that is that yeah. he had to shave off the sides yeah. of his mustache. That's what they say. To fit his gas mask on in That's the war. That's what they say. Do you don't believe that? I, I don't not believe it. <laughs> you just don't think he's like razor slipped and went, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I Would Hitler have looked less evil with a thick... With a Stalin stash? Yeah. Or like a Prussian czar. Do you think Stalin looks evil with his stash? I think he looks like a friendly grandpa. Stalin looks like, yeah, he kind of looks yeah. like a friendly, like, <laughs> we only assign evil to him because we know what he did. Yeah. Yeah. But I think about, like, does Saddam Hussein look mm. evil? Mm. He just looks like an Arab guy with a mustache. Right. You could, you know, if nobody told you, yeah. you would never guess that he was, yeah. like, a horrible dictator. Who do you think is the most evil-looking dictator? Um, hmm. <laughs> Kamala Harris. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's got to be Hitler, but it's, uh, that's probably just from pop culture, right? Like his his whole his whole like the the comb the slick like the slick looking comb over the mustache. I really dig the African warlord or like mm. the South Asian Pol Pot kind yeah. of look. Yeah, the aviators and the yeah. bullet bandoliers. It's like mm. these guys are pretending they're also <laughs> on the front front lines. Castro is kind of like cheery evil. Yeah. He's always like yeah. smiling when he's pointing the guns at people. Man, he's got he his hat and his cigar. Always enjoying the cigar. Yeah. He's got like a nice luscious beard. This is a yeah. fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not about the movie, but that's okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> we can come back to the movie. Who is your favorite character? Uh, can you name any of the characters except well, for Paul? Well, Paul and he... Cat, I think is what he kept calling that other guy. It sounded like he was saying Cat, which I'm assuming is a German name that I'm mispronouncing. The kind of uh, the mustache guy he was hanging out the with. The main for most mustache of the movie. guy, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he kind of shows up and he's like, "I've been through this war, kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've been in these trenches long yeah. enough to grow a mustache." Yeah, they don't give us a lot of information about the characters' like life, lives outside the war. I mean, I didn't think we needed it. No, I don't think so. I was kind of happy with yeah. the fact that it was we were kind of kept at a distance. Yeah. The whole movie. Yeah. There was like. Little, small moments yeah. of close-ups and like humanity mm-hmm. just the right amount and then the rest of it was pretty far off we were just kind of observing yeah. the tragedy i mean i guess when you think about it though that is pretty similar to a lot of the great war movies like saving private ryan you only really learn about a little bit about tom hanks's character's story 
Yeah. The, the rest of them are just soldiers, right? I mean, they're all humans. They have little, little quirks. Yeah. Here and there. And then 1917, like you learn a little bit about about the two guys. Um, it's like unimportant because the real yeah. character is the war. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Which would you, would you say Saving Private Ryan is your favorite horror movie? Hmm. I think it. I think it would have to be. I love Apocalypse Now. Oh, never seen it. It's just so entertaining. I love the scene so much where this captain is like leaning by them in the foxhole while the Viet Cong shoot bombs at them <laughs> on the beach. He's like, you smell that? Uh, I love the smell of yeah. napalm in the morning. Classic phrase. And then, no, the more classic phrase, the one I actually love, mm. is when he kind of leans down and he like almost sadly goes, someday this war is going to end. Because he's having yeah. such a good yeah. time out there. Yeah, he's bummed about that. So that same guy was like giving the soldiers, the GIs, barbecues and like rock music. And yeah, having a great time. That's like when um, in Forrest Gump. Maybe Forrest Gump is my favorite war movie. <laughs> but when when uh, when Forrest and Bubba show up at the at the camp, everyone's yeah, they're like grilling and they're playing Beach Boys on the radio, and it's yeah, like you know we're just blasting Jimi Hendrix, yeah. we're doing acid. Yeah, people yeah. are smoking weed. Yeah, out there they're having, having a good time. Having a great time. Oh man, it's that's the thing about Vietnam that I think gets romanticized about it so much is that it's such a vibe. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a, an incredibly gruesome and horrifying it was horrific. war. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you think about the Second World War and like there's no front on that war that would be nice to fight in. It, it was, would all suck, but the Pacific would be the worst. I think fighting the Japanese. Yeah, and even just in there's the environment you're fighting in. The Japanese. It's like it's kind of interesting because you imagine fighting the Nazis, yeah, and you're like, you can maybe this is like an ethnic thing mm. where you're seeing a bunch of people who don't look that dissimilar to each yeah. other, yeah, fighting, and you are descended from similar traditions, so you share a similar yeah. ethic in the war, right? There's this animated Netflix World War II thing, I completely forgot what it's called, but there's a scene in it where the Nazi has one of the American GIs captured and he's telling him, Hey, I actually went to a university just mm. down your street. Mm. Oh, you remember that cafe? I remember it too. <laughs> They're actually like bonding yeah. over it a little bit yeah. and they can do that with the Japanese. It's like, you will yeah. die for the emperor. Yeah. Banzai. Yeah. Terrifying. And it's like a completely different type of enemy. When mm -hmm. the emperor tells these people, you will die to defend this and mm -hmm. if you lose you will still die and yeah they're just throwing themselves at you without a care yeah. in the world so what do you rate this movie oh man it's hard to say because that film grain thing kind of took me out of it a bit yeah i could tell it was bothering you i don't think it bothered me as much it doesn't it doesn't crack my top three war movies no it would not it would not get into my top three i would say i enjoyed 1917 yeah, more i think so too i would say this movie was smarter Hmm. Just, I think it already gets points for being from the German point of view, because we have yeah. so much from like yeah. the American and British yeah. and French even. Yeah. So it's nice to see something different, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like we were talking about before. One thing I really like about it is that again, it's the horror of war. Yeah. War's hell. Hell sucks. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's one of those movies that might have that effect of. Not desensitizing, but doing mm -hmm. the opposite. Actually mm -hmm. sensitizing the people that watch it to be like, don't get involved in this. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much of that sentiment now. Yeah. I have no opinions on Ukraine <laughs> because of that. There's a lot of gung-ho-ness in the Western world. Even, even in um, 
Saving Private Ryan, which I would say is definitely not pro-war. No, I don't think any of them no. set out to be no. pro-war. But even even in that movie, like at the end, you know, the planes fly over, you know, it's like, There's we did it. romantic moment of, hooray, we did it. Yeah, and then it fades to the cemetery and it's like, oh, wow, we, we, we served our country, right? God bless yeah. America. I love Saving Private Ryan, but like... You remember the movie Fury? Yeah, I like Fury I as well. I think we saw that in theaters together, we actually. We might have. We might have, yeah. Yeah, it's just the tank drivers in the Second World War. That was a good movie. It was pretty good. Until the end. I thought the end when um, this one tank crew defends off like a whole battalion, battalion of, of SS. Yeah. It's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and they have that moment where like, well, they lose. But there's that moment where the kid's hiding under the tank yeah. and the Nazi looks him in the eye and he's yeah. like, I'm going to let him go. Yeah. 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 Kind of interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, if this one tank crew just decimated half your battalion, would you let him go? Well, look, if it was me at the controller, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, you would not, I don't think. I don't know. But then again, it was a Nazi. So probably went, hey, that kid looks pretty Aryan. <laughs> let him be. Percy Jackson under the tank. Was it that? I thought it was a different kid. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking about the scene at the end of Fury when the main character's underneath. Was it the same actor as Percy Jackson? Yeah, it was Percy Jackson. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, w- I think this movie I definitely enjoyed it I'll, I'll watch it again So all party on the western front mm-hmm. Fantastic comedy, very uplifting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what actually Jojo Rabbit mm. you, Have you seen that? Yes I love that movie It's also a good movie It's probably one of the most effective things Philosophically to watch Because mm. it's not really a war film mm-hmm. It's just a film about a kid in Nazi culture mm-hmm. And it does a wonderful job of making the whole thing out to be silly. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, the violence and pain removed. Mm-hmm. The whole idea they start with, and the whole reason that violence and pain accrues, is because nobody kind of looks around and be like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you get that to the end of every war. Mm-hmm. The guys in the trenches going, who got assassinated in what country? Yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. What are we trying to get Belgium for exactly? <laughs> World War. World War II, again, everybody knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Vietnam. Who's the president? Yeah. Why are we still here? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Why are we still here? Why were why were are we even why were we why what yeah, why did we come here? Yeah. You're twenty in Afghanistan. <laughs> we're like, we're leaving? Yeah. Let's just leave. What do we do here? <laughs> What's the point exactly? Um, yeah, so I'm excited for the sequel, All Quieter on the Western Front. Yeah, it's just about these people going back to their yeah. homes and trying to put up with yeah. the poverty. It's just, of... it's just the long scenery shots. It's <laughs> just that. Hey, man, if those were like <laughs> playing on my TV. Yeah, those would be good backgrounds. That would be a pretty sweet background. Um, I put think. Some uh, nice lo fi. Oh, the music of this film. Oh. What did you think of that? Minimal. It was minimal, but effective. There was like the one motif they kept playing. It was like an electric guitar or something. It was some kind of like cello, but with overdrive. Yeah, it was something stringed. Yeah, and it was like... You know what it reminded me of was Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. Mm. When it opens with this boom, boom, this heavy cello. Yeah, and it it comes back to um, like, I feel like it really, it gave sound. It gave like music to the... It kind of machine s- of war it sounded like yeah. mechanical and like there's even that scene where the girl is like sewing the new uniform yeah and it sounds like a gun yeah 
Um, I love the mu- the thing I liked about I like it was weird at first. Yeah. But then the thing I came to like about it was that it was saying the things that the characters weren't. Mm. Because they're like singing songs as they're walking off to war. They're like, this yeah. is gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. While that while the ominous music is playing. Yeah. One of the things I th- think is really interesting about the first world war is the psyche psychological effect it had on people because before that the idea of going to war to defend your country and like take the empire again it was very mm-hmm. romantic mm-hmm. you know it's we're gonna go on an adventure yeah and when we come back everybody's getting girls we're gonna have a great time we're gonna come back as heroes mm-hmm. and they were not prepared for it at all and the no. thing is seeing that much death and that much failure how can our commander send us over the top again it, mm-hmm. people came back from it like detached from yeah. the world that they had thought was true and i think i mean obviously this is a movie but i and i, and I wasn't there and i've never experienced anything like that but like a lot of what we saw has to be close to what happened like it's got some basis at least in spirit you know it's like yeah which is terrifying i can't imagine going back to normal life after that after experiencing that a lot of people didn't no you couldn't you couldn't it wouldn't be normal it would never be normal that's one of the things people talk about is like if you go to war part of you just stays there yeah stays where you fought um and it's like doing that to other human beings takes a little bit out of you Mm -hmm. i play vr i've got an Mm -hmm. oculus too Mm -hmm. There's so many World War II simulators mm-hmm. because it's so easy to desensitize yeah. and shoot Nazis. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like they do other things. There's other like modern mm-hmm. shooters and all that, but the Nazis constantly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of boring, <laughs> to be honest, because it's all this like very cut and dry. They're an easy enemy because they're evil. We can do whatever we want to the Nazis. We watched this movie, and the Germans are not evil. They're just like you. Yeah. They're just like the French, just like the British, but like the Nazis. And we watch those kids sign up and we're like, you're naive. Yeah. You fool. You fool. Do you think? Because here's something that people were kind of, we were hanging out in Kyle's backyard Mm. at his birthday party. Mm. And one of the people there, I'm not going to say who. Okay. Was like, hey, you never know. The Russians could come over the North Pole. Yeah. NORAD's been preparing for that for years. Yeah. They'll come over the North Pole and attack us here no. in Canada. Yeah. And the other guy turns over to me and says, like, you know what? You guys should be drafted to go. I think we should bring back the draft and send our boys to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're 40. <laughs> at least. Of course you say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Would a you horrible, have said that horrible thing. 20 years ago? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Um, Would you fight for your country? If Canada was directly invaded and yeah. attacked, I w- would be very tempted to fight. I don't know. I'm be yeah. honest. I really don't know. Yeah. I might join the other side. <laughs> depends <laughs> who it is, right? Depends who it is. <laughs> I don't really know. Because Justin Trudeau smiles at the camera and says, yeah. we, we need you yeah. to go there. Yeah. And I'll be like, really, Justin? Yeah. Why don't you go? <laughs> well, he wouldn't even be in, in, in on the continent anymore. No. No, he'd be over in the UK or something. He'd go to California. <laughs> Unless it was the states that were invading us. Yeah. In which case, you'd join them because there's no way we're winning. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just make us a big state. 
<laughs> like a lot of people who get, you know, really wrapped up in conservative politics, they're like, the Chinese will be on our shores no. any day now. It's not possible. It's like, first off, dumb idea. Yeah. Second, they already won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't need to invade. Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, they did it already. We, what? So they can do the same thing we're doing now, just yeah. slightly faster? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. The battery died there for a second, but uh, we're back. Mm-hmm. Just to close off here. Where do you think those batteries were made? China. Yeah. They already won. Yeah. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> Listen, I'll sign a deal with Xi Jinping now. We'll secure some CCP backing <laughs> yeah. for the Forest Creek. Yeah. I mean, roll in the millions. It's inevitable, right? I'll just be like, Huawei is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to picture Canadians, one, getting involved in a war mm-hmm. because we're a notoriously peaceful country. Mm. Which is funny because we've been sending soldiers everywhere. Yeah, um, we go wherever Daddy America tells us to. Yeah, well, yeah. like in small quantities. Yeah, <laughs> you know, small effective quantities. It's a for show. Thing. Yeah. What's more likely to happen was now is like everybody starts fixing on blue bear, blue berets, mm-hmm. joining the UN forces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably where. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking a little bit about. It's funny, in video games, you just press a button to reload. Yeah. And I was just putting batteries <laughs> yeah. into the Imagine thing. how stressful that would be. You're under fire and you're trying to put those bullets in your friggin' gun. Well, dude, it's like in VR. Yeah. <laughs> People mess it up in VR. I was yeah. playing with Jared. Yeah. He was like dropping his magazines all yeah. over the place. So you know. You know what it's like to be in the, in the active. I don't know exactly, but like I know a slightly simulated thing. That yeah. If you don't yeah, practice, yeah. practice, practice, yeah. you're going to get Yeah. Ruined. That'd be stressful. Yeah. That'd be stressful. I mean, we've both shot guns. Mm-hmm. It's not like some things that are more modern and automatic, very easy to deal mm-hmm. with. Because, I don't know, I was at the range shooting a Glock. Shove the magazine in, hit the catch release, mm-hmm. you're ready to go. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you can imagine. Yeah, of course people do that quickly. Mm-hmm. Revolver. Yeah. Well, the Cowboys? <laughs> yeah. Let alone, you know, one of these bolt actions yeah. from World War One. Yeah. Which I thought was really funny, that these rifles are so long, yeah, but so the trenches long. are so yeah short. Yeah, it's definitely it's like it's it, it's technology meeting a situation like that. We didn't think we'd have to yeah. use this. Yeah, you and you watch them like in the trenches, you know, like close quarters combat shooting their bolt action rifles. Like these guns are not made for that. Yeah. They're swinging around corners, right? It's like that was one of the funny things though, is that like despite the realism in the action. Nobody mm. ever reloads. Yeah. Hardly. There's yeah. like one scene where a kid's trying to work his bolt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like got dirt in his rifle. Yeah. Or, I don't know. He keeps like doing the bolt action and like nothing's happening. <laughs> I I was wondering if he was shooting it, but this actor didn't know what he was doing. So he wasn't like acting the recoil. Well, I saw this thing where it's like he did the bolt and yeah. then he shoots and it goes. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So for yeah, whatever the mud reason, was in there or something. Or something. Yeah. There was a famous story about the Canadian Ross rifle mm-hmm. in the First World War mm-hmm. that was very accurate until it got like a grain of dirt oh, in man. it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's and a then, stain <laughs> upon the yeah, history it, of Canada. It was one of the first <laughs> cases of real war profiteering. Because right. we're like, hey, this is our national rifle. Yeah. 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 Then we ended up just adopting the same gun as the rest of the empire. Well... War is bad, kids. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. That's mm-hmm. the moral of most war stories. Mm-hmm. But 
we can't help but think about heroes and mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. People stacking up, like mm-hmm. bulletproof vests. It all looks cool. Mm-hmm. War is really cool. It's <laughs> so also really cool. bad. Yeah. Also really, really bad. Yeah. But a little bit cool. <laughs> War sucks, but we kind of love it, don't we? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing is like, even when I was a kid, yeah. if you could snap your fingers and make all wars go away, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, what will happen to movies and video games? <laughs> Splatoon. You ever heard of that game? <laughs> it will all be Hallmark. <laughs> it's Hallmark and, uh, I mean, there's lots of good games that aren't war. Party on the Western Front. Uh, yeah. Great, fantastic comedy. Mm-hmm. Really uplifting. Mm-hmm. Rock, had a wonderful yeah. time. Yeah, I thought Adam Sandler was fantastic. <laughs> Just like I could totally see those guys, just like him and Kevin James, yeah. just like bumbling on the trenches, Omaha Beach or oh, whatever. Man. Just like yeah, Kevin James falls in a puddle in the in no man's land. He can't get up. Oh. Rob Schneider's like trailing yeah. behind them with a machine yeah. gun. Oh man, best war film or film about a war film? Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, what are, are there other war? Are there other films about war films? There's got to be. There's got to be, I think that was less of a parody of war mm-hmm. and more of a parody yeah. of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, it. for sure. Anyway, we're so, trailing on. Well, actually, speaking of Hollywood, I uh, before this, before I came over, I wrote down a list of uh, hypothetical war movie sequels that I came up with. To All Quiet on the Western Front? No, just sequels to other war movies. Oh. Can I read you some, uh, pitch you some titles? I'm really glad that you did this. Okay, here we go. So obviously, I, earlier I already said All Quieter on the Western Front. Yeah. You said Apocalypse Now was a, your favorite war movie? Yeah. So Apocalypse Later would be a good sequel. <laughs> be pretty much um, Apocalypse Again. So here's some, here's some war movie <laughs> Apocalypse Again. Oops, all apocalypses. Um, here's some war movie sequels that I brainstormed. Can I um, guess one? Can you guess one? Yeah. Full Cotton Jacket. <sighs> no, I didn't write that down. <laughs> Okay. Um, platoon, but with a two instead of the two O's. Platoon. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about this. I was trying to think of a female name that started with the letter R. I got Saving Private Rita, the all-female remake of Saving Private Ryan. What if he gets promoted and it's now Saving Colonel Ryan? <laughs> he just gets in another situation where they have to find him once again, dude. We just got you. Um, this is one of my favorites. In the in an attempt to get the most numbers on a movie poster, nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen. Just there's a cool. Yeah. Nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen. Did you ever see Lion King? One and a half. Yes, I owned it on DVD. Where like Timon and Pumbaa are like yeah, narrating. They're yeah. the main characters. Nineteen <laughs> seventeen and a half. Zero, zero dark thirty one and a half. <laughs> and that's where so Osama's like, narrating. He <laughs> was like, so I was watching the latest episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> that was one of the things that people kind of brought up about him later. Is that Osama bin Laden loved American TV? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny to think it's like we're going to destroy these capitalist pigs and the world that they brought onto us. They're horrible, horrible American yeah. devils yeah. who are coming here and yeah. ruining our country and ruining our people. Oh, man. And also, Cheers is pretty awesome. Oh, but come on, Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I got two more here. I'm not sure about that one. We got one more. <laughs> Wait, you don't want to say it? I don't know if it's that funny. Say it and I'll cut it out okay. if it's not good. Um, have you ever seen Mel Gibson's uh, The Patriot? Yes, I love that film. The Patriot 2 Insurrection. Obviously, it's about January 6th. Not that funny. I don't think <laughs> it's that funny. Patriot 2 Capitol Hill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might be better, yeah. On, can we stop really just a real quick moment? We actually talked about The Patriot before yeah on the dadder day podcast um mm. that we did that was episode eight yeah where we were talking about that whole thing of like mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me a little bit of you know when we talked about ukraine or afghanistan it's like the whole family's getting involved mm-hmm. it's not your kid is going off somewhere very far away it's the war is right here and that's one of these yeah. things about the war you know if canada ever mm-hmm. got into a battle mm-hmm. on its home territory mm-hmm. it's like everybody's fighting yeah yeah right and that's what's happening in ukraine right like russia yeah shows up and it's like, what do you do when if the enemy's there? Right? Too young to hold a gun. Yeah. Reload for your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Last. Last one. <laughs> this might be my favorite. Um, so it's kind of a crossover. I'm sold already. Um, you ever see War Horse? No, I haven't actually. Have you, heard, have you heard of it? It just seemed kind of lame. It's a little lame. But this crossover will fix all that. Okay. Um. Because there's nothing in the rules that says a golden retriever can't be on the battlefield. So, yes. war bud. <laughs> yes. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then, of course, you can have war buddies and set, and then and, and you get the whole, like, yeah. spinoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. War bud. War bud. <laughs> there was actually a joke in BoJack Horseman where he's like, you couldn't even get me the horse in War Horse. I didn't have to be the War Horse. I could have been any other, other War Horse. <laughs> Uh, so those are my movie sequels that I came up with. Hello, this is Netflix. You're greenlit. Yeah, you got I mean, me? yeah, if any, yeah, I mean, I'm. Let's I'm call here. them I'm right here. now. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, Netflix should have a hotline where anybody <laughs> could just call them and start pitching things. Just, like, yeah. Hello, Netflix pitch line. Uh, 1917 to 1918. No, like, what? Uh, Medea goes to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> we can tie the pair <laughs> to go back. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. reprises oh, the Tropic Thunder role. <laughs> okay. All quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. And all quiet here at the Forest Creek. But before we go, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, Instagram. Those are the main places. But we'll be at other places soon. All of them at the Forest Creek. Except for YouTube because they do this weird handle thing and someone else already took the Forest Creek. So we're the real Forest Creek. Just like the real Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Yeah. We did it, guys. We did <laughs> Congrats. it. Congrats. The Real Forest Creek on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at the real Forest Creek. Or at the Forest Creek everywhere else. Check us out. Like these things. Comment on them if you have things to say. Mm-hmm. Share them with your friends. Share them with your enemies. Mm-hmm. Make your cat listen. I make Mishmish listen to every episode. It's good. I have to get his approval. I get that. He's the studio control, studio supervisor. Yeah. If you are interested in having us come and make content for your business, service, ministry, product, real estate listing, contact us at theforestgreek at gmail.com. You can also just send us a letter. Let us know what you think of our shows. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. We are open to entertain your thoughts. Just drop a comment. We have a couple new videos on. Both of them were Halloween-related. came out around the same time as episode 15. 
All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm. All Quiet on the Forest Creek Podcast. I'm Raf. I'm Chance. I'm glad you finally came on the show. I did it. We, we talked about getting you on in like mm-hmm. the interview we did with Father AP. <laughs> yeah. People don't know this, but you and I actually tried to start a podcast way back in high school. <laughs> we talked about it, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. No But Seriously show. Yeah, we better censor that because I actually, uh, no. <laughs> We're all quiet here, folks. Good night.